speaking with several of my priest friends and Deacon Mike, they were, many people were saying about how the readings this particular Sunday are quite challenging. But if we place them all together and we see them in the context of which the church presents them to us, which is through the lens of the first reading of the prophet Amos, basically with this statement that God sees when we are not being mindful of the poor. He sees that we are, when we are being dishonest with each other. He sees it, he recognizes it, and, you know, we should all be so mindful in recognizing when we are not dealing with each other the way we're supposed to be dealing with each other. And in this gospel passage of this dishonored steward, and all this talk about making friends with dishonest wealth, we need to understand that what's happening here is why is the steward uh, being called out? First of all, we need to remember who Jesus is talking to. He's looking at his disciples. That's who he's addressing this to. So therefore, the teaching of this particular story is for them. And therefore, what is the steward doing? The steward is not doing his job. The steward is squandering the rich man's property. He's not collecting the taxes. He's not collecting that which is, belongs to the rich man. And he therefore... He is not doing his job. He's not doing it, and so he's being fired. That's what's happening. And then so when he all of a sudden he starts realizing, I'm losing my job. So he calls in all of his master's debtors, and he's sitting there going, well, what do you owe my master? I owe a hundred. A hundred vials of, of, of oil. Okay, well, sit down. Here's your promissory note. Instead of a hundred, write one for for 80, you know, and for, for 50. And then for wheat, you know, how much do you owe? A lot. Okay, here's one, write one for less. But let's go ahead and get this money rolling in. This is exactly what the tax collectors were doing in their day. This is how they, this is how they collected their money. They bartered these, these, these situations. This is the way business was done in Jesus' day. And one of the reasons why tax collectors were known as great sinners was because when they, they didn't only just collect what they owed to the government, but they also took a little bit for themselves, for their, for their troubles. And that's why they were seen as intense sinners. But this was kind of the business of the day. And so he's saying, he's basically saying, getting about and, and get back to work. But this also, this gospel passage also speaks to a reality that is very much, it is just as much as it was present in Jesus' day, it is absolutely present in our midst, in our day. That is the difficulty of trying to make sense or trying to keep in communication and in conversation the dictates of the Word of God and that which the world is telling us who we can be and what we should be. And that's very different sometimes. And when you have, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking of a lot of the young adults that I, that I was, I just spent a week in Ashland uh, helping out her wedding. And it was kind of, it was, it was strange because so many of the people that were there at that wedding, when I was in Ashland, they were graduating high school, they were starting to go into college, some of them were still in high school, they were involved with my ministries, they were coming up on Sundays, coming to Mass with their families every Sunday. They had, like, they had a fire to their, in, their, in their life. They were filled with joy. 
and there was a spirit of hope. There was a great love. It was something that was very much alive. And then, what happens? I don't know. I don't know exactly, but it happened to me during a period of my journey too. And it probably happened to some of you. You know, and I just pray, I hope and praise God and thank God for anybody who's had that journey and has all of a sudden had the wake-up call as well. Because what I saw and what I experienced was all of these people who I remembered in that parish where I was doing the wedding, now giving out communion and having these same younger brothers and sisters this time coming up for communion with their arms crossed, looking up, looking for a blessing because they can no longer receive communion. Because they've gotten to that point in their life, and uh, hearing them speak, I, I'm kind of backed away from the whole practice of the faith. I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to church anymore. I'm not, you know, I've, I've come to, I, I've chosen to, to live a different path. And let me be clear here. One of the things I'm not talking about is who gets into heaven, who doesn't. That's not what this homily is about. Because what is helpful in this particular understanding of the gospel passage, the first reading, is really Paul's letter to his beloved friend, Timothy, whom he loves, he cares about, and who is also a disciple of Christ. He's writing this letter. And in his letter, he sits there and says, Our God and Savior desires that all be saved. And come to knowledge of the truth. This is what our God desires. So I'm not going to sit here and try to get in the way of God and his capacity to save. That's not what I'm here. But this is what I am going to talk about. I'm going to talk about the difference of somebody who is living the life and caring for the life of faith that they were given and the person who is not. That's who I'm going to talk about tonight. And, I'm, and really where I want to, I want to even zero in and zoom in a little closer. I'm not talking about the people who have never heard about Jesus either. Those people I'm not worried about. Who I'm specifically talking and aiming this homily to are those people who we know who used to have the faith. Who walked it. Who reaped the benefits of it. But who have decided because they've listened to the voice of the world that says that's stupid. It makes no sense in the church and its rules and its word. Is ir it is irrelevant in today's day and age. I want to I be clear about whose voice that is. That is the voice of the evil one. That's who it is. Because one of the things that was, it, it happens over and over again with every of these young adults are coming up, just you can just see them, they're like, I'm not doing it anymore. One of the things I, I, could, I, could, I could see in their eyes because it wasn't there anymore and it used to be there. It's something that I get to have. Because of my relationship and my walk with Christ, I have joy, I have hope, I have peace. And I have the love of God in my heart. These I have. And they did not. 
They did it. What they have is this new walk that they're taking. That's just fine for them. And there's nothing fine about them. Because they, they don't have that which we could have if we were really walking the way we're called, if we were being good stewards of the gifts we've received. And this is, this is the key where I, I sit there and I, I want to point out the fact that you know, when we allow ourselves to be pulled away from this, from this great journey, the source of peace, love, joy, and hope, then we find ourselves lost a little dark and ultimately trying to argue and just make excuse for why it's okay for me to be right here right now. And I had a couple of those conversations this past week. And I asked people flat out, are you praying? Nah, not really. Well, start praying. Because this is key. St. Paul is writing to his friend, a fellow disciple, and he's saying, they're going, this is what I want. Give praise and pray. Pray to the Lord. Pray. Be a person of praise. You know, God wants us to be saved. We must enter into a conversation with him. Pope Francis would say in his exhortation, rejoice and be glad. He would sit there and say, if you want to battle with the evil one, this is how you do it. Use the tools you've been given. And what are those tools? I'm going to remind you of what those tools are right here, right now, tonight. Have a faith-filled prayer life. Pray. Speak to your God daily. Have a sense of faith. Speak to Him from your heart. What are your troubles? What are your concerns? Bring them to Him. Pray. Meditate on the Word of God. I was talking to this one guy in this restaurant who knew I was a priest, and he was sitting there just telling me, like, dude, I don't know what you're doing anymore, but the world has passed you by. And I'm like, world didn't pass nothing by, pal, because I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. And whatever Kool-Aid you're drinking, you don't have what I have. And they don't. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, Look at you. Look how happy you are. Do you, are, you, are you fulfilled and happy in your life? Well, I'm okay. I'm better than okay. You want to know why I'm better than okay? Because I've got some instruction. Because I'm not listening to the world where the evil one wants to take these things away from me. I'm listening to the one who wants to give them to me. So to reflect and meditate upon the Word of God. And once we've done that, go to Mass. Receive the Eucharist. Adore the Eucharist. His body and blood, soul and divinity. God wants to live in us. He wants us to live in Him. He does not want separation. He does not want us to choose to sit there and go, well, I'm going to go my own way. He'll let you, but He does not desire it. In receiving the Eucharist, the adoration, you know, we might sit there and go, oh, I'm good, I'm good. I'm still going to fall. I'm still going to sin. You're still going to sin. We're still going to make mistakes. And you approach the sacrament of healing. Reconciliation. You want to irritate the evil one? Go to confession. He hates it. It's our best defense. 
cleaned you up like the day of your baptism. And having received all of those things and doing all those things, let that move you. And here comes the first reading to serving the poor, serving those who need your help. I used to, I used to hear from people all the time, if you want to get out of your self-centered behavior, go and help somebody whose problems are bigger than yours. And it's not hard to find them. That is not hard to find somebody whose problems are bigger than mine. And go help them. Go relieve their pain. There's something miraculous that happens in that engagement. We truly are, just by choosing to do that, a better version of ourselves. And this is how we sit there and we care. This is how we become good stewards of the faith we've received. I'm sitting there reminding myself of, you know, every time we celebrate a baptism in this church, we talk, we, we ask the parents and the godparents, and we're like, are you ready? Are you ready to be an example of these of this children to live and to teach them how to live God's commandments, especially that which is to love God and his neighbor? Are you ready to do that? And they say we are. But all too often, when someone, our brothers and sisters, hears that voice and they walk away, we stop encouraging them to do what we do to have what we have. And that is why I don't feel like this homily is being directed to a choir. Because I think there's too often where we're just too silent. Because I can see when peace, love, and joy and hope are missing. And it is awesome when you have it. And our Lord wants us to have it. And so what do we do in those situations? Can I change minds? Not really. Did I change a mind this past week? I don't know. I'll guarantee you this, though. I planted a seed. I know I did. And this is, this is something I just want to maybe share with you and maybe offer to you as just a way. Because these answers can come in all sorts of different ways. And you might be surprised in how they are answered. You come up against somebody who you can see has lost their spark in life. They've lost their, 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 their joy, their peace, and they're struggling. Ask them if they're praying. And maybe they'll tell you, ah, from time to time, invite them to pray more. Maybe they'll tell you, I don't even know what to say. Okay, well, I'm going to pray for you. Maybe, you know, when you see that person, you can ask him. Just simply ask him, you know, what are you reading? What are you listening to? Have you opened up the Gospels anytime recently? Just listen to the, G the words of Jesus Christ. Have you done it? No. I'm not there, man. All right. Well, it would be good for you to, to, to find out because he, 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 he has the pathway out for you. It's in there. Go to Mass. Oh, man. This is a good one. Uh, you know what, Padre? I'm just not there right now. I'm not, not ready to go back. 
The priest in my parish, the horrible homeless, talks forever. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? You're busted because I'm going to start praying for you when I go to Mass. And then I will sometimes just ask, what are you doing in your life to make the burdens of someone else easier? What? My life is already a mess as it is. Quit being so selfish and help somebody whose problems are bigger than yours. Go do that. Now sometimes that's a conversation ender. But it's just a conversation ender for a moment. Because I guarantee you, I've had that talk with a bunch of people. There's no way they went home that night and went to bed without trying to check some boxes. And the bottom line is, my brothers and sisters, we need to encourage them to come back. We need to encourage them to use the tools that we have and that they have to use. We need to do that because, as Paul says, I, I truly want, my brother Timothy, I want people to be able to live, pray, and give praise with hands raised to heaven without anger or division. I want them to have that kind of life that just people sit there and go, that one is on fire for God. And we should all want that for the ones who need it the most. We shouldn't just simply sit there and go, look at me, how awesome, at least I've got it. We should always continue to work and be open to helping those who have fallen away to come back. Let's remember last week's gospel. Jesus doesn't give us the parable of the lost sheep just so he can sit there and say, look at who I am. He gives the parable to his disciples of the lost sheep to remind them who they need to be. Go. You go after the lost sheep too. They need us to be the best versions of us because the ones living and, and proving the truth of the gospel today, that's on us. Not just me. I can't be everywhere. And this is what I want us to do at this Mass. I want you to think about the person who you've been thinking about through most of this homily. Because we all know them, we all have them. And I want you to offer this Mass and the intention of this Mass for you, for them. Let's call them to a deeper walk with Christ. We never know. I'm not in charge of conversion. He is. But our prayers do have power. So let's exercise it.